You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today I've got a fellow business coach, but she, I already know, I'm confident she has a much different spin on things than I might, but uh, I am very excited to have her on the show. Her name is Bree Seeley. Bree, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Little quick backstory and full disclosure, Bree and I have already sort of engaged in another format. She asked me to be on her Instagram live last week, and we had a great spot there. I was a total uh, techno clunk in, in getting it set up and getting it going, but we made it through and uh, we got some good uh, good feed on it. So, um, well, it was a great conversation. Some of the things we talked about, I don't think I've brought to that platform before, and. I know there've been a ton of great comments and stuff too. There so I have, yeah. the, the value you brought was well worth the wait. Well, I, I definitely appreciate it. And whenever you want to do it again, I'm I'm certainly there. And, and uh, I need to take a lesson from your playbook on doing a little more over on that platform, perhaps. I've, I've got a presence there, but it's not anything like you've got. But as is a bit of a tradition here, Bree, tell everybody a little bit about your backstory and how you got into what you're doing now. And then we'll talk more about what it is specifically you're doing now. Yeah, I was raised by an entrepreneur and a single mom, and I grew up uh, seeing entrepreneurship. And seeing my mom kind of have the freedom to run her own ship. And what was funny was I saw it and I said, I don't ever want that. I (laughs) want to be an employee. I am good. I I don't I don't need to to walk that path. And so got out of grad school and got a job. And then what I was doing was not what I had studied. And so I, I thought, like, I'll just start this little thing on the side, right? And As all good side hustles do, it turned into a very successful business. I had my own fashion label for eight years. And towards the end of my owning that business uh, was dressing celebrities like Tony Braxton. I was selling on Zappos.com, was on runways and like all sorts of the like fancy looking things. Uh, But behind the scenes, I was miserable. I was having panic attacks. I was going into more and more debt. I was stressed out. I like, it was not a great experience. And so in 2015, kind of overnight, I got, I had an epiphany to shut my business down and I did. And over the course of the next few months, realized that people had been asking me to help them with their businesses for a very long time. Everything that I created in that business, I created, you know, I don't believe alone. I I believe that there's more out there than just us. And, uh, you know, it was all as a result of me figuring out how to pitch myself and me making the right relationships and all of those things. So I started consulting with people and just kept growing within the first year. I had hit my first six figures and just the ball kept rolling. And I have since become the top entrepreneur coach on Google and just had my first TED Talk in November, and uh, am really passionate about helping women specifically become the creators of unlimited wealth through entrepreneurship. That's awesome. 
Well, I applaud you for that. And I, I guess we're brother and sister of a different mother. Uh, as most of my listeners know, I too was raised by a single mom entrepreneur. And that's where I got my same passion for entrepreneurship and, and, and business in general to, to much degree. But yeah, it was that it was that watching her go out and do what she did. And um, I did end up taking corporate jobs for a while before I uh, launched out and decided to go the entrepreneurial route. But I've been doing that now for almost um, 25 years, something like that. Yeah, I and, had a day job. The entire time I had my fashion business, I had a day job. <clears throat> um, and so I managed both for eight years. Mm -hmm. And then I've been a full-time entrepreneur since 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, so almost 10 years, which is mind-blowing to think about. I don't know how it's been 10 years. Um, I still feel like I'm 29, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and uh, I have been in this business since 2015 which again is also like, I've been doing this for eight years. Where yeah, has yeah. the time gone? But yeah. it's uh, it's so rewarding. And for me, like being raised by a single mom and then, you know, I talk about in my TED Talk, my grandmother's struggles with having a job and having children and my great-grandmother's struggles with not being able to divorce her husband um, because she didn't have anything in her name and, and how she had to go out and learn how to create wealth for herself so that she could get her kids back from foster care because it was the only way that she could divorce her husband. Um, and just watching women struggle consistently with wages and wealth and, you know, business and things like that to date, 88% of female entrepreneurs still never hit the six figure mark. And so, you know, just all of my my backstory, my history, I'm like, things can be different. And if I can help make things easier for women and help them make more money so that they can have the freedom to divorce their husbands or, you know, have children along with having a job or whatever that story might be, um, you know, I'll consider my life well lived. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm, I applaud you because you're right. That's a that's a segment of our our world and our country that needs help and and needs um, encouragement and uh, some you know guiding hand to show them away. So let me ask you this: as you kind of took all your experience and sort of rolled it into your current venture, was there a sequence of steps you went through when you tried to start the new one and that you saw as critical to sort of the the path forward? Yeah. So the first step was, um, and it was kind of an arduous step. Uh, my identity when I had my first business was very wrapped up in being a fashion designer. And so the first step I had to take in order to move forward with this new business was to completely deconstruct my identity of who I thought I was and how I thought I added value to the world and literally redefine everything I knew to be true about myself. Um, so the stories I told, the thoughts I thought, the beliefs I had, the way I operated in the world, everything had to be deconstructed and then rebuilt. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a step I think a lot of people don't always talk about, but the truth is if you are so latched onto a past identity or a past experience or things like that, you can't 
move forward and create a future if you are so obsessed with and, you know, attached to the past. So that was the first step I had to take. Well, let me ask this, if, if I may, and, and I don't want to cast any disparaging words whatsoever, but I'm, I'm just going to talk in general terms, and, and maybe they're very naive when I say it. But I think a lot of people think when you say fashion industry, there there's, there's a lot of, uh, I'll call it false personalities in that business. And so to say as the owner, the founder, you, you have your own story wrapped up in all that, how much of the um, image part of being in the fashion world had consumed you while you had that business? I mean, I didn't get too deep into it um, in terms <clears throat> of that, but there was still a part of me that, you know, I grew up in a very, very, very small town and in the Midwest. And if you've grown up in a small town in the Midwest, you know that the measure of success for growing up in a small town in the Midwest is to get out <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. to go to a big city and make something of yourself, right? And so I had spent the first 29 years of my life running away from this small town in the Midwest and who I had been there. And, um, you know, I, I, there was a part of me that thought that I needed a certain prestige or needed a certain title or accolades in order to be considered successful, right? So there were definitely some things wrapped up in that, which I believe most of us have to a, a certain degree or not. I mean, there are also some of those personalities in the coaching industry, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. won't name names. That's but... fair. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Keep going. <laughs> you know, it it really, and I my podcast is all around redefining success. And so that was one of my first invitations to start looking at, okay, am I only successful if I am a fashion designer? And then, of course, there's the flip side of that. Did I fail because I walked away from that business? Am I a failure because I chose to close it down? So there was just a lot. Like there was a lot wrapped up in those things. Um, so it was very much, I was, I was very fortunate to hire a coach right as I shut my business down, who helped me see the truth and to help me reevaluate who I was in the world and the impact I was here to make, which kind of leads me to my second step in that I had to really sit down and answer for myself, what value do I bring to the world? I thought it was only fashion. I thought it was only designing these beautiful things. And I really sat down and realized the laundry list of experience, the resume that I had from building that business from the ground up, um, not to mention eight years of experience as a counselor at the same time. So I really had to sit down and reevaluate in this midst of this pivot, what am I aiming towards and, and how can I use what I've already done to help me take that next step? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is so critically important. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking through, I've, I've done a number of shows with folks where we have talked about the power of really connecting with your own sense of personal purpose before you ever get into the technical part of running a business. It's, it's that 
it's that awareness of who you really are, what you really want to do, what you really want to bring. And uh, I, I think that's just very critical. I, I heard uh, Adolf Coors, the third, I guess it was, uh, speak one time. And he said the most pivotal day in his life was when he answered the questions, who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? Mm-hmm. Real simple questions. And it, I mean, at least in the word content of the question, but well, they're hard and- answers to find for some people. Totally, because I, you know, I firmly believe that we're not really taught to ask those questions. And so some people make it their whole life without looking at those things. And the one question that I added onto that was, and what do I need in order to feel and be successful? Because one of the things I realized, and I very quickly incorporated this into my business design services, is that my top core value is actually freedom. And so what I realized in hindsight was that my fashion business was like the antithesis of freedom. You know, my sewing machine alone weighed 350 pounds, not to mention all the other machinery, all the fabric, the supplies, the stock, the having to go to the post office all the time. Like it was... I felt like I was chained. I had to be in my office at certain times. I like, it was the worst feeling ever. And so with this business now, I was somewhere the other day and someone was like, oh, do you have an office? And I pointed at my laptop and I said, that's my office. Goes wherever I wanted to go. What's a a MacBook? Like three pounds, four pounds, whatever. Like it's the best office ever. I could never have taken my fashion office anywhere with me. I've run this business from Italy, from Spain, from Bali, from every time zone in the United States. Like I, I need that freedom even to be able to go to a coffee shop and work for the day. And I didn't have that with my business. So in addition to figuring out who I was and the value I was here to bring the world, I had to figure out what was actually going to make me happy. What does success look like for me? And can I give myself permission to create that life rather than forcing myself to stay on this path that I chose when I was 15? Like maybe it's just not aligned anymore. And maybe there's more opportunity out there for me to take what I've learned from that path and reapply it in a more impactful way. Yeah. Now, in your backstory, you talked about having this side hustle that turned into a nice business. But since then, in doing my research, you, you've done some things and you've got a pretty contrarian idea about the hustle side of business. <laughs> or has that changed? It, nope. Is, okay. Hasn't changed. Still, okay. still, don't like, still don't like the hustle. Not a fan of the hustle. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that, just for clarity's sake, because I I am sensitive to people out there that uh, fall in a couple of different categories. One is the, is that corporate person with the day job that, and it might be substantial. I mean, a lot of my clients, you know, they're, they're senior officers in companies, but I know in their heart, they're incredibly frustrated. They're, they don't have that freedom. They, they don't feel anything that they wanted to feel after 15, 20 years in the, in the job, but then the, and, and they might be entertaining that 
side hustle idea to give them something to get them launched and get them going. And then there are others that I know that are perpetual hustlers. I mean, they, they get an idea, they chase it. They don't ever really quite turn it into a business. It's, it, it might make some money, but it's not really a business. It's, uh, it's more like operating out of the trunk of your car kind of thing. And then, yeah. um, so, so talk to us about your, your view on this anti-hustle idea. Yeah. So I think there's a few things wrapped up in the idea of hustle. One, I think it's very glorified in our culture. You think about it, even non-entrepreneurs and people that are busy are like, oh, oh, I'm so busy. And I always look at people like that and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Like I... I find the most magic in life in the spaciousness, right? Like in the opportunities and the openness and the, the flow of life. And so there is this glorification of the hustle. Then in the coaching and business industry, we also have several people that are continuing to glorify it and make it look like if you're not working 37 hours a day, 10 days a week, you know, 65 days a month and 15 months a year, you're like doing it wrong. Um, so there is this glorification of it. I think that we also, to a, to an extent, our culture has established a dependency on it. It's become a kind of drug. We are addicted to being busy because it feeds those drugs in our brain that send the signals down to our body that even if we don't want to be busy, it may still feel really good to have those dopamine hits or, you know, whatever that looks like for you. So I think that we are kind of fighting against a few things in terms of conditioning. Um, but the reason that I hate the hustle is because I watch, in fact, I literally just got off a coaching call with a client about this exact thing. I watch my clients fill up their calendars and do all these things and have all this stuff on their plate that is not bringing them closer to their goals. They literally just take action after action after action after action after action for the sake of taking action. Right. <clears throat> and it's not creating any movement, <clears throat> any momentum, or any revenue in their business. I too just got off a coaching call with a very similar thing. Um, uh, I've got some people that are really struggling with the notion of hiring some new people into their company that can take load off of their plates and delegate and reassign, realign. And they are sitting on the edge of an amazing opportunity. And they're already a multi-million dollar company and i i i said let's let's do some simple math let's say we carve out in your operating budget we carve out a new three hundred thousand dollars to hire you could probably hire four people in the caliber i'm thinking of annually for three hundred thousand dollars and if you hired those four people you could get half of every day every day back on your calendar. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. 
Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. thing about being a founder and being a leader of your business is that you're the one that needs to come up with the creative ideas to continue your business moving exactly. forward. Exactly. To continue that growth. So if you don't have space in your calendar, where are those new ideas going to come from? Where's well, that growth going to come from? And the way we were able to close the loop, and it was kind of an aha moment for him, I said, he he, he threw back to me, well, you know, I, I struggle with calculating the ROI on that. And I said, I'll do it for you right now. I said, if you had half of your day every day to focus on these other initiatives that you've already identified, by the way, you already have a list of opportunities. I said, if you generated one of those opportunities and turned it into a $3 million year, you've got a 10x return on that money. We're done. End of story. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> And, and by the way, th $3 million in, in the game they're in would not be a stretch, not it, it, you know. And we kept talking a little bit, and he, he said, you know, Doug, he said, honestly, if I could 2x that money, I'd be happy. I said, all right, even easier. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, could, you could do that by the second quarter. <laughs> yeah. I have a client that I helped last year. Um, she's a speech language pathologist and she had developed this virtual speech language pathology service. Um, and she was, when, um, when she came to me, she was only working with one state. That was it. So she had the opportunity for 49 more states, right? And we ended up actually tripling her business. We got her into two more states and she would get on the calls and be like, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. She's she's like, I'm making $120,000, $150,000 a month. And she's like, I don't have anything to do. <laughs> and we had to work through, like, even the guilt and the shame that comes along with enjoying your life, having lunch. Heaven forbid we feed ourselves as entrepreneurs. <laughs> or I don't know, like, go take a walk during lunch to get your step goal in for the day or take care of yourself or your family or like, so I think that there's, I mean, a huge part of it is realigning our priorities. And I think there's even a little bit of reestablishing our identities in that because yeah. if we're not a founder that's super busy, does that mean we're doing our jobs? Does that mean that we are not as needed as we think we are? <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's right. there's a lot that gets wrapped up in that as well. And so I think if anyone's listening that is like really wanting to kind of disconnect from the hustle, I would encourage you to do what I did in the beginning, which is really deconstruct all of the things and beliefs and habits and uh, thought patterns that are keeping you in that pattern, in that loop of overworking yourself and then redefine for yourself what a success actually look like because for most of us for me success is not running myself ragged and being busy all day every day and having nothing to show for it at the end of the week so what does success look like then instead and then how do you realign your actions so that you are being successful every single day and you're more aligned with 
that identity, that version of yourself that you want to be living every day. Yeah. And and I want to go back to one of the original statements you made about this whole hustle culture. We, we are, there's a, there's kind of a social significance of how incredibly busy you are. Oh, I, I can't get you on my calendar for the next three weeks. Well, that's BS. I mean, come on. If you really need to connect with somebody, you ought to be able to flex and, and do some things. And it, 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 it is, it's bordering on a kind of insanity, I think. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm not sure where it came from. I don't know if it was the original uh, capitalistic idea that, you know, more, 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 and, and more, more, more meant work, work, work. Now we've got all these great tools that automate things. So instead of taking advantage and freeing up the calendar, we pack more things into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really purposeful with my time. So like, for example, I only take two joint venture calls a week. And so if I'm saying to someone like, oh, I, I can't get you in until March for a phone call. It's not because I'm busy. <laughs> It's because, you know, I prioritize because I know that if I'm having 20 joint venture calls in a week, I'm not going to be able to then fulfill on everything that comes from right. those calls, right? <clears throat> right? So I just know my time management well enough to know that I only do two to, two podcast interviews a week. I only do two joint venture conversations a week. I only do because I want to make sure that I'm also honoring the reciprocity of those relationships as well. And I don't want to overload myself and then be unable to fulfill on the agreements that I've made with people. So, you know, I am one that my calendar is booked a little ways out and it's not because I'm busy. <laughs> it's because I've defined my priorities and I lead with integrity. And if I can't, if I can't maintain my integrity because I've overloaded my schedule, then that's a me problem. And I, yeah. I, the onus yeah. is on me to get back into integrity so that I can show up most powerfully in my business. And yeah. also to, you know, clients and sales calls and things like that for me take priority. So I'm always going to carve out time for those things. And I need to have space in my calendar for those things. I, you know, unexpectedly randomly closed a client yesterday who literally at 11 a.m. booked a sales call at one and like, boom, right? If my schedule was packed, I wouldn't have been able to show up and serve that person so that they can take steps to be tripling their business in the next 90 days. That's what I was trying to say. And it does come down to that idea of being intentional about how you want to use your time. If there are meetings you want to have, appointments or calls you want to do that uh, do kind of perpetually fuel the, the engine, you know, strategically setting those blocks. I, I do the same thing. I, you know, I've got limited windows of time when I like to record my podcast because I could be guilty of getting really excited and do nothing but podcast recording, you know, if I let yep. myself, but I can't. And so, yes, you know, that part of my schedule is way out in advance. I just had one come in this morning. It was uh, the end of April, you know, so that's how long the queue is there. But you're right. And I do that too, because I want to have that flexibility in my schedule so that when someone who is a client or a new prospect that might be eager to get going, you know, I need to be able to be responsive 
and and I like your word. You you said integrity. You know, deal with integrity on being able to serve those who have already engaged. And uh, if you're just busy, you can't do that. Well, and if you are burnt out, you cannot show up in an yeah. integral way. Right. You just can't. Right. So you know, my first priority every single day is myself. I do not get on my phone, on my laptop, on in my email, nothing before 9 a.m. Because yeah. I spend the first three hours of my day taking care of myself. I nourish my body through movement, through meditation, through breath work. I do journaling. I connect with my vision, usually cuddle my cat a little bit, um, have a nice high-protein breakfast after lifting. Like All of those things are so important to me. Um, and I do it in a state of flow as well. Does it take me three hours to lift, eat breakfast, read, and meditate? No, it doesn't. But I need that three hours to do it in a really slow, beautiful way for myself so that I can have that space if, you know, for my creativity, for new ideas and thoughts to come in. Um, and then I'm able to show up for a full day. Uh, you know, I have another conversation after you. I don't usually work after five o'clock in during the day. And I have another conversation after you. And I still feel like I probably will keep going tonight because my boyfriend's out of town. So, you know, the cat, the cat will sleep. She's fine. She doesn't need my attention, <laughs> but I'm able to keep going if I want to, because I've prioritized myself. I've not run myself ragged today. I have not been busy today, been able to move through my day with flow. Um, and you know, wake up again tomorrow and do it all over again. Well, let me, uh, shift gears. I, I do want to, uh, get into this because I, I know a lot of my business owners out there are struggling with this and, and interested. You have done well with social media. I'll say that in a word. So is there any way you can summarize how your strategy came together and what you learned and how you have determined you know, best efforts and strategy for maximizing that? Yep. Uh, so three things come to mind immediately. The first one is you need to do the work to find out where your customers are hanging out. If your customer is not on TikTok, do not go on TikTok. If your customer is not on Instagram, don't build an Instagram presence. It's going to be a waste of your time. So focus in on the platforms that are most important to where your customer hangs out. Go meet them where they are. Step two, consistency. So if I'm getting ready to hire someone, one of the first things I do is check all of their social media platforms. And if they are not consistently showing up, there's a level of trust that can kind of get lost there. Now, I know I have not been perfect with consistency. We're not, no one's perfect. And um, it's just, it is a, it is a trust building factor. So consistency can also mean a myriad of different things. Maybe it means, so for example, I do an Instagram live every Monday. That's consistency. It's only once a week. I do a podcast every Tuesday. I do it once a week. Again, that's consistency. So it doesn't mean you have to show up 10 times a day, seven days a week. It just means pick a cadence, 
and stick to it. And then the last thing I will say is do not treat social media as if you're standing up on a soapbox with a a microphone, megaphone, megaphone, microphone, whatever. Social media is not to just scream information into a void. It's about relationships. It's about building community. It's about connections. It's about having conversations. So if you just want to post on social media and then shut it down and walk away, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to grow because we are in an era when people want to know you. They want a relationship with you. Yes, I can I've closed five-figure clients on Instagram before with one post. And I say that, that person, the one time it happened, she'd been following me for two years Mm -hmm. before scheduling a sales call with me. So you want to be thinking of it as a long game. You want to be establishing relationships with people. You want to be having conversations. You want to make it a two-way street. Um, so those are the three things that really come to mind immediately. And then of course there are best practices. You can look at your analytics and see what time of day is best to post for people. You can look at your analytics and say, okay, do my videos perform better than my statics do? Do my lives perform better? You know, like all of that stuff, you can get analytics about your specific account on all of those things and then tailor all of your posting strategies, all that stuff. But I would, you know, the three things I said, the the last thing I'll add is social media. If you, when you are posting content or sharing content, make sure it's solving a problem for someone. The days of just aimlessly scrolling for pretty photos is over. People want value. They want to learn things. They, even if it's like a stupid recipe on TikTok, people want value. So what problem are you solving for people through the content that you are sharing and engaging with people on in social media? Yeah. Yeah. Very good advice. And I, and I think that is so critically important. Um, it, it's just, there is no denying the world is just inundated with information because of the advent of social media. And I don't know how many, I saw a stat the other day and I'm not recalling it now. Uh, how many 300 300 videos a minute are being added to youtube i think is the stat i saw oh wow 300 videos a minute are being added to the youtube world and you know so if you're a content provider and and you're feeding part of that funnel um you know, do the math. And I, I feel embarrassed. I post three a week and I haven't if, even done the math yet. How many? If they're good and quality and you're providing value to people and there's impact there, three a week is more than enough. Yeah. Also, I just Googled it. How many videos are uploaded to YouTube every hour in 2023? More than 150,000 videos a minute. Ooh, okay. Well, I must have seen a different stat somewhere, but or not recalling it correctly at all. But anyway, the point is, it's 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 pretty mind-boggling, the volume that's going up there. I bet it's three hundred hours of video. That's probably it. Yeah, that's probably it. Every minute. 
you know. Well, That's a lot. Yeah. We can, we'll never each be able to watch all of that in no, our lifetimes. No, <laughs> no. There's still several movies I haven't seen yet that I need to see. <laughs> so <laughs> much true. Less, much less uh, YouTube content. Well, Bree, I tell you what, this has been phenomenal. It, it was everything I hoped it would be. And thank you so much for sitting in. I do want to ask, tell everybody how they can best get a hold of you if they're interested in uh, learning more. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me. This was lovely. I lo really enjoyed ending my day with you. Uh, the two best places to come find me, first off, my website, breeseely.com. Uh, you can find all of my programming there, free resources, all of that good stuff, my podcast, my events, all of that. Uh, if you'd like to actually talk to me or have a conversation with me, come find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Uh, you can come watch our Instagram live interview from January 23rd. So go scroll back in my feed and watch Doug and I jam on Instagram. My handle is at Bree Seely. Uh, my website is breeseely.com. Everything's pretty much under my name. So come find me, come have a conversation with me. Would love to learn what you took away from this episode and what you're going to do on the other side as a result of watching. Amen. Amen. Well, again, Bree, thanks a lot. It's been a blast. And I, I enjoy ending my day with this too. And I am going to end my day. You said you might have another call, but I'm not. I'm done. So uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, well, folks, we are going to wrap this up. And again, thank you for sitting in and uh, paying. Oh, there's your uh, friend. My kitten. Yeah. 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 She's ready to be fed for the night. So she's getting very mouthy. And this is the only way I can get her to not scream is there if she's go. in my lap. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, good. Well, uh, and again, everybody, uh, thank you for sitting in and uh, taking a listen. We look forward to hearing you again, hearing from you again real soon. So for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye. Have a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.